If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome to the post. Coming up, everyone in Boko is not safe, including myself. That's the shocking statement of the municipal chief executive for Boko in the wake of fresh clashes there that have resulted in the death of three more residents. Uh, more as a security analyst calls for withdrawal of all arms there as a means of restoring peace in the area. We'll be live on the ground with update. Uh, also coming up here on the pause, we look ahead to preparations by the IMF to finalize arrangement for the release of the second tranche of the $3 billion IMF bailout. As the finance ministry officials prepare for a joint news conference with the IMF board officials today. Plus, have you been a victim of mobile money scam? Have you been a target or simply terrified about becoming a target for scammers? They said they've sent me some amount of 400 sodas. So I should check by dialing my PIN. So then I was very curious. I didn't know that maybe it's true or it's not true. But the moment I just dialed my PIN code, they just took the money. We delve deeper into all of this and more uh, here on The Pulse. I'm Samuel Kujobreza, and it's a pleasure to be with you here on The Pulse. So the Pulse is brought to you always by Global Communities, Digni Lu, affordable, safe sanitation for all. And this show is live on DSTV Channel 421 and Go TV Channel 125. Around the world, on myjoyonline.com. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and uh, on all our socials. This is The Pulse. Please do stay.
begin from Boko, where reports from that part of the country says three more persons have been killed in renewed clashes. The conflict, which has already claimed two lives and injured many, resulted in a curfew which is strictly being enforced by the military. This brings to five those killed in the renewed fighting. The Municipal Chief Executive of Boko, Amadou Hamza, has shockingly revealed the situation in the area is deteriorating by the minute and every life in the area is in danger, including himself. Uh, we'll be taking you to Albert Sorry, who is our man on the ground and has been monitoring all that is happening uh, for us. He has a lot of information on this uh, particular development and he is joining us to bring us more of that. Uh, we'll also be speaking to a security analyst, uh, Dr. Victor Docker, here on the show as well. Uh, well, uh, so, Dr. Victor Docker is on Zoom with us here. He's done some extensive work uh, on the Boko conflict. Doc, I'm grateful to you for joining us here. First off, uh, I mean, what's your overview of what's happening in Boko now? Uh, my brother, happy new year to you. Uh, my personal view is that the we, we, we have a very dire situation in our hands because with this pockets of incidents whereby you have target killings and all of that, disturbances, cacophonous shootings and all that, with regards to what has been done in the past when militaries have been sent in, they've organized exercises, operations to retrieve arms, and still we're having these issues, then what I would say is this situation is out of hands, out of hands, well, the state institutions are responsible to, or mandated to look at the resolution or professing solutions to it. Now, what we are looking at is the citizens in Boko, the youths particularly, mm. and especially from the two factions, have been emboldened by all what has been happening with regards to their issues not being addressed. Okay? You talk about unemployment. You talk about injustice. Mm -hmm. So when you have people from either side who have been arrested and then suspected to have perpetrated some crime, mm -hmm. and later here they are released, what then comes into mind? Okay, so for example, you have Mapusi youths arrested and then found out they have been involved in some criminal activities and later released. Mm -hmm. Then it tells the Kusasi youths that, okay, well, there's injustice, so we can fight for our own. With the issue of a proliferation of arms and Boko, what has the effort been? I saw in a news outlet five months ago there was an operation that was uh, conducted by the military in view or with regards to retrieving arms. At the end of the report, I heard there were no arms to retrieve at the end of the operation. Mm. So you ask yourself, so what really? Now, these youths have the weapons in the system that mm. you cannot shy away from. Why then would you have these shootings, you know, coming up? It, day in and day out. Mm. Mm. This focus will go on until we address the core issues. Okay? We are looking at injustice. We are looking at the satisfaction of either sides. We are looking at people breaking the law with regards to a substantive chief there and then going ahead to install another chief. All these, 
okay, ah, incidents that are fueling the Oko conflict. Okay. One particular thing that I would also aspect of stakeholders, mm-hmm. those who are behind the scenes, political actors who are contributing with be it by their words, be it promises being made to their kinsmen of whatever they want to give to them if or whenever they they, they win power or whatever. So until we get to the bottom of this, the situation will be protracted in as much as possible. We'll have more people being targeted. We'll have more atrocities, the violence we cannot control, and the security services will not even have any solution to it. Okay. Now, it, it looks like there's a lot we have to talk about, but, but do stay with me. Let, let me bring in a uh, man on the ground, Albert Sorry, who has been covering this from the length and breadth of Boko to really, uh, you know, put this in context for us. Albert, you've been all around Boko to really understand how, what this really means. Uh, what have you been gathering on this matter since morning? Yes, yeah, so one of the major things that happened today um, was a group of women who decided to march to um, the, the military base, which is very close to the, the Boko town, um, to sort of uh, peacefully protest the killings that uh, took place yesterday. Uh, we told that these are relatives of um, the three men who were killed, allegedly, by the military uh, yesterday night, mm. so the master and you know they, you know they, they were making some noise and they were chanting, saying that they didn't want the military to continue to be in the town. Mm. In fact, um, initially when we started hearing uh, this story, it, it looked more serious than it later turned out to be. Okay. But what happened was that when they got to uh, the uh, premises of the uh, military base. Uh, they, they were making noise. They surrounded one of the military vehicles, and I think one or two soldiers were uh, standing by. There's a video uh, which has been sent. It's not very clear, but uh, this was what was happening. And mm-hmm. so they had to fire some warning shots, and you know the, the women eventually dispersed. We're told that one of them, uh, in the panic and the chaos. Um, was taken to the hospital. She didn't sustain any injury, but uh, this was something that took place in, in Boko Town today. Okay. Now, this is just to tell you that the people in the town are not happy about what happened uh, yesterday, uh, particularly with, with the issue involving the military and the killing of uh, these young men in, in Sabongari. Um, there are even fears that if care is not taken, um, in, in when when uh, it's curfew hours in the cover of the night, uh, there could be shootings, as has always been the case. Remember, uh, just uh, on Wednesday when uh, we lost uh, those those people who were shot at the uh, tricycle station. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the night of that day, there were a lot of shootings. particularly, uh, seem to have lost, lost faith in the ability of the security apparatus and even the government to 
permanently clamp down on, on these shootings and these killings. And everybody who moves about their normal everyday activity, you know, are doing so with a lot of tension because Boko has become uh, a place where every corner of the town mm. looks dangerous to, to people because at any time uh, people can fire guns and people can get killed and injured and it seems that nobody ever gets punished for it. Mm. Mm. Quite interesting. Now, you say that civilians have lost trust in, in the military or the security to protect them. Um, why did this trust got, get, get broken? What happened? What really led to where we are today? So we can go back to the beginning of uh, last year, around the same time, mm. from, from the last Christmas, the Christmas before the one we just celebrated. We witnessed um, shootings like this, killings mm. like this. Um, one of the, in one of those shootings, we had uh, a, 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 an immigration officer who was killed, if, if you recall. Mm -hmm. There were other shootings in which the military, again, were accused of going into uh, the, the town and killing civilians. There were reports, at least on two occasions, where people who were allegedly wearing military uniforms went into the homes of people and shot them. Now, I, I personally was um, on, on duty with the Regional Security Council on uh, shortly after the military uh, killings last year when the RECSEC was visiting Boko. And while we were there, there were shootings. Even when the RECSEC was, pres was present in Boko with, uh, you know, the security patrols, soldiers all over the place, and people still had the courage to fire guns in the air, and you know people had to run helter skelter and mm. all of that. Mm. Now the questions many people, um, you know, many civilians are asking is whether indeed the the these people who are in the town are so powerful that the whole Ghana Armed Forces is incapable of clamping down on them and stopping them from what they are doing. And so these these are the reasons that people feel. Um, in fact, one of, one of the opinion leaders, uh, when we spoke to them last year, said that what the government was doing is using, uh, to quote him, mm. a, a firefighting approach to this security matter. Because okay. they only become up and doing when people are shot and killed. Then you see that they increase the number of uh, uh, security in the town. They, you know, we talk about it like we are doing now for a number of days. And once things get calm, it's like everybody goes back to relax until people are killed all over again. And so this is, these are some of the reasons why um, the, the ordinary person in Boko uh, doesn't seem to trust uh, the security apparatus anymore. Mm, mm. But, but since, I mean, we'll listen to the MC shortly, but, but you've been nosing to, to really get us the, the back-end story that many people might not be aware of. What is really the contributory factor to the, 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 this you know, conflict that doesn't seem to go away anytime soon? Well, one of, one of the reasons you get from people uh, is that most of, most of the killings in recent times seem now to be uh, retaliatory in nature. Somebody gets killed, the members of his group feel that they must kill um, you know, or shoot at uh, members of the other group in order to retaliate. And so for the last two years or so, 
um, it has been like this. Of course, the, 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 the root cause has been the chieftaincy conflict, which we are told started way back in the 50s. But in recent times, if you follow the trend, normally when, when someone from one side gets shot at, it doesn't take long before you hear that shootings have occurred against the other side. Mm. So it, it seems to be, um, you know, a reprisal or retaliatory in nature. Mm. Mm. Very, very interesting. Now, um, earlier, we were told, or, or, just hold on for me, eh? because the Municipal Chief Executive of Boko, Amadou Hamza, uh, himself has been speaking to John News, and he has shockingly revealed that the situation in the area is deteriorating by the minute, and every life in the area is in danger, including himself. Listen. For the people of Boko, and I must think so because it went, a week will not pass when there will not be an incident in Boko. As a municipal chief executive, as a representative of the president of the Republic of Ghana, it's a sad moment. Um, let me tell you about the recent happenings, some of the things that led to this casual coup or whatever. Last week, I was in Boga when I had a call, I think I was in a a workshop trying to bring more projects to Boku. And the call that came was that somebody had been gunned down in a place where we're doing the one district, one factory. The name of the area is Kolori. And in fact, when it happened, there were some few gunshots. The military and the police managed to calm down the situation. Um, the, the day before yesterday, I came in Bolga when I was about wrapping up on Wednesday of the of the Suku projects. The the I had a call from residents that the police is bad. And I actually consulted, I contacted the military commander, I contacted also the 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 police the commander and all of them were very busy on the phone. Yes indeed some Six people were shot, one died at the spot, and later in the morning, the 17-year-old died. Now, this matter led to spirit gunshots. Uh, I was told that one other known, Kosasi man, who is a lecturer and lead a register at the Bulgar Technical University, indeed is my good friend. Azuma Alassan is my very good friend from childhood. His house was just very close to my house. Yes, and um, it was later that they had to move to Mr. Sabungari area to stay. Mm. So yes, his, indeed, his indeed. Let me let me mm. come. I want to give you the trajectory. What happened? Then that unfortunately of, we do not have the luxury of time at this point. That, so we are that, hoping that until this part of violence mm. two nights ago, and so today in the night, I heard some gunshots. And that's about 200 to 300 meters away from my house. There's a school known as Hassania. Hassania Basic School. And the gunshots, um, when I heard it, it was later I started contacting the police commander and then the, the military commander. Nobody was answering until a few minutes later that the, 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 the Major Ankaman, who is the commander of the armed forces at the Lemberkarais, told me what happened. Mm. I tried to inquire, are you okay? They were actually moving around trying to ensure that there's peace in town. And they accosted some four men 
who were exchanging guns fires at them. Okay. And he authorized his men to fire at them. Indeed, they fired at the guys. One managed to escape, and the other three were gunned down. And then their bodies were picked by the police to a hospital, a private hospital known as Vanyard. That is the report I got. That's exactly the report. And the incident happened just 200 to 300 meters away from my house. Okay. Indeed, I must tell you that there is no safe zone in Boko. Even me as an MCE, where I reside, is a very dangerous area. My life is in danger. It's not only the citizens of Boko. Wherever you are staying, your life is in danger. And so, because of this development, I see it as the most dangerous conflict ever in the world. And there's a need for us to ensure that we put mechanisms that we can ensure that we bring lasting solutions to the people. Well, we know over the period a number of measures have been put in place. Security has been beefed up amongst others. But listening to you now, it appears it's all not worked over the period. Not that it didn't work. I must tell you that this government has been very proactive as far as Boku conflict is concerned. The government has been proactive in the sense that the government has done a lot of engagement. The Boku Inter-Ethnic Peace Committee, led by myself and the regional minister, had engaged the factions in Boku. Six of them of the membership are Kuchatis. Six of the membership are Mampushis. Two are Moshis. Two are Harvest. Two are Dagombe. Well, Mr. Hamza, unfortunately, at least, if these measures have yielded any results, you'll be talking about the fact that Boku is the only conflict area, at least, in the world now, like you talk about. But really, with the latest incident, at the last count, how many lives have been lost, you say? The latest incident in the life of within Boku, I can tell you that three lives have been lost. Okay. Official reports are that three. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC lives have been lost. Okay, and how many persons are currently receiving attention in terms five of... Five persons are injured. Five persons are injured. And they are in various hospitals in Boko.
So that is the MC then. I still have with me our man on the ground, Albert, sorry. Um, um, and then Dr. Doki as well. Albert, so you had the MC there. For those of us who are not in Boko now, we'll be interested to understand what the situation is in Boko at the moment, as we speak. How's the place looking like? One of, one of the things you'll, you'll find very curious about Boko is that normally um, after incidents like this have occurred, people just come out and they continue their way of life. It's as if they become used to these shootings now. So um, normally when it happens, especially when the shooting is, is, is happening, people run and take cover. But by the next day, people come out and they go about their normal activity. So that is what is happening at the moment. But when you are present in the town, you can actually feel uh, the apprehension, the, the fear that at any time at all, anything could happen. Mm. So at the moment, of course, calm has returned. Um, we haven't had any um, unfortunate incident today, but you can tell that people are always on, 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 uh, on alert, uneasy about mm. what is happening, uh, mm. because at any time, gunshots can be fired and you will have mm. to protect yourself. Now, the head of MUSEC looks like, you know, the situation is overwhelming. Do we know what RECSEG is doing to complement the effort of the MUSEC to ensure that, you know, Boko is, is quite safe for people to live in? Well, normally, um, when things like this happen, they, they beef up the security, of course. And um, you, you, you learn from what happened yesterday that uh, the, the military are on patrol, um, sometimes, even when you are a civilian, you want to pass through or go to a place like, say, Pusiga, for instance. They, the military and the police are willing to give you escorts, you know, if you go and ask for it. Mm. So these, these measures are there. What people don't understand is why the killings are still going on with all these um, measures that have been put in place. When you get to Boko, there in the middle of the town, there is an armor vehicle stationed soldiers at various vantage points. You see um, men armed and all of that um, at various vantage places. Mm -hmm. you, you find security people. But nonetheless, things like this continue to happen, and the people don't understand why this is the case. Let, let me bring in Dr. Dokera. Dr. Dokera, so you heard from my colleague there saying that there is security presence in the town, but still, people are, are, being, are being shot at. People are dying. Why, why is that happening? Well, it's simple. Mm. You can have as much personnel on the ground as you want. Now, don't forget, these personnel may not necessarily be indigents of that town, so they don't know the elements of that town like they used to. Okay. Okay? Now, the other issue is that you have youth from these two factions who have communal weapons, personal weapons, are emboldened by elders in the town. And earlier, what I mentioned as shadow stakeholders outside the town is a fooling, the conflict, contributions, or whatever they can. Okay? The reason for this issue is that there are factors that have not been looked at on either side. All of them have needs, wants, and interests, okay? 
won't have the or what has the institutions. When I say institutions, I mean National Peace Council, the state itself, through the central and local government. What have they done to look at the issues presented by these two factions? I remember early 2000s, they had a consortium of NGOs that went to Kumasi and caged the two factions and came up with recommendations. What has come up with a recommendation? Can we boldly say that the recommendations have been implemented? I remember there was one, be it setting up an office or secretariat for the Quidna Ethnic Peace Committee, okay? And we source it because this is a body that is mandated to look at the conflict and address it. It constitutes members or representatives from every ethnic group in Boko. This committee has not been resourced. They need periodic capacity building with regards to conflict resolution so that they can address issues like the farmlands, issues related to festival celebrations, burials, and whatnot. Okay? Now, you would remember that there was a time when they were talking about the burial of the opostic. That, that would signify the end of the conflict. The Mapuches came out and said, it is not their culture. Fair enough. What have we done to get back to the Mapuches and say, if it's not your culture, what then would you be comfortable with to perform as traditional rights so we can bring the conflict to an end? We don't have the sustained engagements going in. So you have this, what we call, as people have said, firefight coach coming in every time. You're not looking at the structural measures, structural preventive measures, the creation of jobs, okay? And showing that there's justice where people who have been found to be perpetrating crime, either in Boko or outside, have been made to face the, the full rigors of the law. That hasn't happened. Yeah. And we have one particular important dynamic that has changed the whole Boko situation now. The 15th of February, finished with the incident that happened in Narendra, the installment of the gentleman said as the Boko where is his whereabouts? So you would expect that the Kusasis are on the watch out, on the lookout. Who is going to lead this gentleman into the court? So you would have the youth on that side, on edge, wanting to stop this gentleman from entering into the court. That also has added to the existing dynamics which compounds the situation in the court. And then let's look at how our security forces go in there supposed to be neutral as much as possible. But then the situation turns around. And then you have, or you hear of the military shooting, the youth and all that. That only serves as a conduit for these youths to even hate one, the military more, and to even engage in reprisal attacks. Because then if you are targeting me, and I can come out openly, to fight, then what I can do is secretly, secretly do it. So that's why we're going to have this repression attacks continuing, unless the issues involved, which is so easy to identify, get the right people in there. Okay? You talked about music, you talked about Rexic. Have we built their capacity in terms of understanding the dynamics of the whole? It is not just about coming from the town or the capital. It is about knowing what it is 
that you have to deal with when it comes to conflict resolution. If I am a mediator or negotiator and I go in there wanting to bring a lasting solution to the issue, I don't go there with the stance already that I've had. I need to listen to these guys, know what they want at this particular moment, and then not forgetting the proximate factors that are existing. Like any other issue that would add on or compound, my process should be dealt with. Mm. Until then, we won't get anywhere. Well, so, so the committee should be resourced enough to work, and that's, that's yeah. government's work, right? That government should ensure that is done. Exactly. Mm. And we, we, we will have the National Peace Council, who is uh, like a focal person for the, the committee. We have NGOs, okay, in Boko itself. For example, the Berlin Mugusa Development Agency, Builder, okay, who have a seat. They are the peace building facilitators within the committee. Let's resolve all these NGOs for them to actively engage the tides. Then we can come to the negotiating table and then we we'll move forward. We we'll sustain engagement. We cannot neglect the sustained engagement. We start a process and we leave it. We leave it and then when the shootings happen, then we come back. So you start at square one. You don't get anywhere. I, I, I mean, this is a disturbing situation. And, and so what we are talking about, we need to get to the bottom of it. Who is not doing his or her work right that has resulted in Boko being in such a volatile situation all this while that we don't even know when it is ending? When you talk about the rule of the state, it's huge. The state has the capacity and mandate, one, to ensure the safety and peace of the people, properties, or whatever. So we would now have to look at what the states would have to do. The real power of the state to push in resources, okay? And resources is in a wide area. And enforce or enhance the mandated bodies through which the state speaks. The National Peace Council is very, very essential. And when we get there, who are those who have been appointed or will be the lead negotiators or mediators when it comes to the conflict resolution. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, we should ensure that these people have adequate capacity, training, and resources to go in there and give to the BIPC, the committee. And then the committee will now relate to their respective ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. So, when you are looking at it holistically, the willpower of the state is very necessary. Mm-hmm. So we have to call on the state. The civil society also has to come on board. At their voice, let's present some kind of mechanism framework for the state. Oh, this hasn't been done. We should look at it. And then we should follow through. If we really want to solve the local issue, and let's not forget it's a political season. You don't want the situation to be existing and you have armed groups infiltrating and taking advantage of the situation. Then you cannot control it. Mm, mm. And, and there's a likelihood of you know terrorist groups taking advantage to infiltrate the area, right? There's a condition for armed groups to come. You understand? Mm. On the part of the of the conflict actor themselves, if they feel that they would need assistance with regards to some armed groups coming in, perpetrating uh, acts of violence, they will. Mm. It is so easy. This is a ground, fertile ground for any armed group to operate. 
but we don't want that, and we cannot control it when that happens. So the states, CSOs, well-meaning Kenyans, come in, let's have a framework and mechanism resolving the conflict once and for all. Also, yeah. the issues that have been left ajar, let's bring them back on board, tackle them one after the other. Mm. Mm. Okay. All right, now we need to end this conversation, but in the next 30 seconds, if you can do this for me, I'll be happy. Um, people are dying. We have the national security. Uh, that is supposed to prevent some of these things from happening. What should they be doing to ensure that they are able to prevent some of these deaths? The only thing for now is sensitization. Sensitization, awareness creation on the effect and impact of the proliferation of small arms and light weapons in the in, in Boko. Sensitization to offer or bring out intelligence as to who they know is uh, in possession of illegal arms, who are these kinsmen, stakeholders outside Accra, volunteer information, okay, mm. adhere to the rules and regulations if there's a carefully in place. The citizens, the youth, have to respect the law. And mm. the only way involve the chiefs, the elders, as much as possible. Mm. This has not been looked at. So you have these government uh, uh, missionaries going in and doing their own thing and coming back. No. And then let's look at how we can also train or build capacity of the military to know how to handle some of these situations in conflict in areas like these where the tensions are high. Then other than that, they'll just be going about a good, I mean, but, but, but of course, when it comes to internal security, it must be the police handling it. Right, I forgot that. Now, the police is also essential. But you know when, when, when issues like this happen, they only mention the military. Okay. Other police, let's put the capacity of these two important institutions. Okay. They need a training. We would think that most of these men know how to address issues when it comes to a chiefsency conflict, but they may not. So you need regular training, awareness, and then they will get to know how to handle the situation better. So you will see an improvement with their relationship with the youth in the town, especially. There's a way to coax these youths okay, to become your friends that you can tap information from them. Okay. But if you go in with a good force, it will not solve anything. Grateful to you, Dr. Victor Docker. He is with the Kofi Annan International Peacekeeping Training Center. He has done extensive research on this Boko situation. Now, uh, Albert, so, uh, I mean, uh, you, you are there. We hope that you are safe. But um, do, you, do you see any extra arrangement by the RECSEG or by security setup to ensure that no more deaths are recorded? Well, apart from the security uh, personnel on the ground, um, which is what we can physically see, um, the regional minister tells us that there's a lot happening uh, behind the scene. He tells us that um, as human beings, they are also concerned about what is happening. Mm. And, you know, sometimes they don't even sleep because of uh, what is happening. Okay. So um, if we are to take his word uh, for it, we believe that there is a lot um, going on behind the scenes besides the fact that the, the security apparatus are on the ground. And so um, hopefully we, we do not um, experience any more shooting in the coming days. All right. Thank you so much. Keep safe. Um, Albert, sorry, he is our man 
on the ground there. Now, this is still the pulse here on the Joy News channel. Now, uh, we are going to talk about something very interesting, a subject that borders on you and I, something that a lot of people have been complaining about, the mobile money fraud. Now, mobile money fraud has continued to scam significant number of people, you know, and they continue to fall victim to scams associated with mobile money. Uh, just yesterday, we told you the story of how people are falling victims to various scam attacks. Now, this afternoon, we have with us MTN's head of mobile money fraud prevention unit to help us all understand the risks, measures to avoid or fight them, and to win the war against the Momo fraud. We have a special report on the situation for you shortly. First, though, let's tell you why we believe fraudsters are moving to the Momo space. Now, uh, um, if you look at what we've put together, uh, I mean, it will tell you exactly, uh, I mean, why forces are moving. But just before that, let's bring, you, bring back to you Michael Asher's report, taking a deep look into the problem. Mobile money fraud has now become so pervasive. The motive is varied, but the bottom line is to get money from you. These deceptive schemes often commence with a seemingly ordinary text message, characterized by glaring grammatical errors. Spelling errors and poor construction in fraudulent messages might just be a deliberate strategy employed by cyber criminals. When you see the bad spelling, it is not as if they can't smell. Dr. Kenneth Ashiki, the Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Chamber of Telecommunications, suggests that the use of poor grammatical constructions by the fraudsters is just an attempt to circumvent their new artificial intelligence-enabled system. They confirm maybe the R that is there, they will make it an S. They will change a few of the things in there so that once the AI is crawling it, he sees it, it's not what it is that he's looking for. So, but fortunately for us now, we're beginning to use AIs. So what the AIs do is that once they see all of this, they learn. So they start seeing the spelling mistakes that you want to beat them. Other times, these fosters will call you with promises to lure you to send them money. Hello. <laughs> Ohene Anoche was almost scammed weeks ago. He now knows the plot of these fosters very well. No, they will just call you like normal call and then he will say hello. So he will not even ask your name first. No, he will just say it is me, your auntie, who is in London. And then personally, I don't have any auntie in London. So I just said, who, 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 which of my aunties in London? He said, oh, have you forgotten? Then you mentioned some name. So I just said, no, no, I don't have any auntie in London. So, yeah. As unsuspecting individuals continue to fall victims to various schemes, the tactics employed by these fosters continue to evolve. Someone will just call you and be like, uh, when will I receive the money? Uh, uh, please, I've sent you this money. Can you confirm? And several calls of that, several calls. They were asking me, when am I paying my debt? So I asked, with debt? And then he said, said the debt I was owing him. If the way he, the person responded again, and spoke with me again, I realized uh, it was one of those frosted. Like I deposit 1,000 CDs into my accounts. And the person was calling me, I sent 250,000 CDs into my accounts. 
So they have sent 250,000 to your account? To my account. I should withdraw it back to him. I went back to check my account and I noticed that, nah, it was a lie. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. And I bust up him by giving him his, I give him some sense into his head. Rose and Nukwe have been victims of cyber fraud. And when they called me, they said they've sent me some amount of 400 setters. So I should check by dialing my pin. So then I was very curious. My brother asked me not to do it. But I told him, being a good Samaritan, I, but I didn't know that maybe it's true or it's not true. But the moment I just dialed my pin code, they just took the money. And later on, I called them to beg them that, please, the money was for something important. They should send the money back to me. But they refused. And I called MTN. MTN told me they would get back to me. But nothing. The string number called me. Then he was like, he sent me money. So I should check my account. But after that time, I didn't receive the, I didn't receive the money. So some few minutes later, the message came from MTN. Like, it was MTN. Like, if you see money from MTN. But it was coming from a to-go line. So what I was just suspicious, like, how will I... Receive? The person introduced himself as a worker from a, from a telecom company. Yes, that he works as MTN and he sent the money to me. Then, all right, the, the message came all right as MTN, but it was coming from a school line. So I started reading the message. I realized that there were spelling mistakes and orders from it. So I realized that he called again, that he sent me the money. I buy check my account. I should check my account that instantly. And I was like, no. The message we sent was even wrong, and this is not how messages appear from MTN and all that. Then he was pressuring me, then I should just check my account number. And I was like, no, there's no way I'm checking my account. Because of that, he got bored. They started insulting me. I just hung up. Mobile money operators are not even spared. They will tell you that uh, they want to uh, check, they want to help you with some difficulties that you are facing in the business. For me, they've been calling, but me, the moment you said I'm from MCN, I'll just end the call. I don't listen, because MCN has only one number. The modus operandi has, however, evolved over the years. You know, like Tino Achebu would say, when the hunter learns to shoot without missing, the birds learn to fly without perching. Now, the pose as agents of some of the mobile networks under the guise that you were a lucky winner of a draw.
I'm Linda Ofori. Our calls are recorded for education and training purposes. So for detailed understanding, are you okay with the English or should I speak to you in any local language? Oh, but you are already communicating in English. We are 28 years. Could you remember the number of years? You've also been on a network where there is a very particular mobile number. I think about 15 or so. Okay, so you're very close. I'm going to remind you of um, the year you registered the same card. So, MTV, thank you very much. We are asking all these questions to actually survey the network to know how good or bad it's performing. From enticing phone calls promising rewards to posing as mobile network agents, the aim of the scammers is simple. Extract your personal information and use them to later impersonate you. So we have um, a very nice package for you. And please, with the prizes we have for you, you have to visit the nearest MTN branch with your valid ID card, that is your Ghana card, to receive your package successfully. Well, shortly we'll connect with our resource persons and hear from you as well. You can send us a message to 244 629. So, in case you have a question for our resource person, kindly do so. 0244 uh, The number should be on your screens anytime soon. That it, it, it will be on your screen so that you can send us, you know, uh, your thought. Now, Kofi, uh, Isaac Kofi AJ is a lead data analyst here. We want to show you why we think that MTN uh, is, is, has become that, that target where everybody, every scammer would want to use that. Kofi Ajay, hi. Uh, let's understand, what does, what's the data telling us? If you can hear me, I mean, the mobile money fraud has actually increased, you know, stratos- in a stratospheric manner over the years where uh, the number of uh, cases keep increasing. And then also, if you look at the total amount involved in all of this uh, fraud situation, the recovery has also slowed down. And we believe that uh, the space is becoming attractive uh, because of the huge volumes of transactions going on in the mobile money space. So I'll take you through data that was provided by the Bank of Ghana showing, uh, you know, the mobile money transactions over the years. So if you look at registered mobile money accounts uh, over the years. Uh, cumulatively, uh, in the 10th month of last year, which is October 2023, we had reached uh, 64 million active mobile money accounts, a uh, registered mobile money account. Out of this 64 registered mobile money accounts, uh, about 22.1 million of them uh, were active. And in terms of the total number of transactions, uh, we had reached somewhere around 615 million transactions in a space of, you know, 10 months, cumulatively. And what we believe is attracting people to, to uh, you know, target this space is the volume of transaction, uh, which has reached 179.2 billion, you know, Ghana cities over the years in the 10th month of 2023. Now, if you compare the mobile money, the, the uh, value of mobile money transactions to other, you know, uh, similar means of you know, transferring money or, you know, doing transactions, you could see mobile money is way ahead. 
So, for instance, in that same 10th month of 2023, you have mobile money transactions being around 179.2 billion Ghana cities. Checks cleared within that same period could not come close to mobile money. It was around 25.8 billion Ghana cities. Uh, E-Switch was around 2.1 billion uh, Ghana cities. GH Link, uh, 56.4 million CDs. Uh, direct, uh, you know, uh, debits were around uh, 5.9 million CDs. Credits cards were around uh, 52 million Ghana CDs. Prepaid cards, uh, 830,000 uh, uh, Ghana CDs. And internet banking was around uh, 10.4 billion Ghana CDs. So you realize that in all of these figures that I've mentioned, mobile money is way ahead of them, and the volume of transaction, as well as the value of transaction, is, is significantly higher than e-switch, than GH link, than use of debit card, than use of credit cards, and even internet banking, which is currently around 10.4 billion CDs, as compared to mobile money of 179.2 billion Ghana CDs. Mm, interesting. Well, um, so that's Kofi AJ there with the data and, and why we think that people are targeting the Momo uh, market to perpetrate fraud. Now, um, in the studio here with me today is Godwin Kwame Tamaklu, General Manager, Regulatory Risk and Compliance, Mobile Money Limited. And uh, he's here with me. Good afternoon, sir. Thanks for coming. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. How worried are you? about all of these mobile money fraud that people do perpetrate on, on, on customers? Very worried. Uh, you can't um, describe it more, especially knowing that I lead that uh, division from our company. It's one thing that uh, always keeps you thinking, mm-hmm. even was in bed, as to how um, we can protect our cherished customers. So it's, it's worrying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This this started not today. It's been it's been some time now. That's right. Why yeah. is it still persisting? I mean, whatsoever um, finance has been take mm. into consideration, even the banks. They've been here almost hundred years, mm. and fraud within the banking space hasn't changed because that is specifically what the fraudsters are after money. So wherever the money is, they will go for it. You know, so it has been with us for years and it's still here with us. What we can do is to help work together mm. as stakeholders, including our own charity customers, to see how best we can manage uh, such issues as we face them. But, but, but I'm sure you've done, you know, a bit of a research into this to understand right. why is this still happening we cannot really do anything about it what what is it telling you oh not that we are not doing anything Mm. about it but just to put it in context Mm. as to why does it keep happening Mm. one is the volume of funds you have on the platform in general within the mobile money platforms with all service providers Mm. it's increasing every day and now and Today, maybe as of last uh, December, you're having more than 19 billion Ghana cities uh, 
total on the platform. Mobile money. Platform. Mobile money. Total. All of you. All of us. Okay. And this had grown billion. Exactly. And this had grown from maybe zero Ghana cities as at the time we launched mm. um, to to this. So um, it's one thing that they, they, they are after. Again, is the weak link that they always seek within the chain as to who can we get to technically can we hack the systems and pull the money ourselves or can we maybe social engineer um, people to see how best we can get them and day in day out we see that coming through as uh, the issues more on the social engineering side where our cherished customers some way somehow fall victim to some of these issues that we keep drumming and educating people on so mm. Basically, maybe the wins they are getting here and there also um, contribute to the fact that they want to still um, push. It's, it's a whole enterprise for people. Mm. Just like you get up in the morning and you dress up and you pray to God you're going to work to come. Um, that is how some of them also work, as in this is my enterprise, this is my business. I wake up in the morning and it's all about how do I um, you know, scam someone and, mm. get, and get away with something that I had. But I remember one of the reasons why the SIM card re-registration was necessary was so that we could deal with this kind of fraud. Yes. That's why I had to go and re-register my SIM card with my Ghana card. Yes. After, after we've done that, almost a year or so after, why are we still having this problem going on and we cannot arrest those behind it? The same registration, from my perspective, from my understanding, helps with the detection, investigation, and arrest. Mm. It doesn't prevent. Okay. As in, although we have done SIM registration and Godwin has gone to re-register his number, and I know I have his fingerprint and all those with NCA and NIA, it does not prevent the froster who thinks that Godwin has X amount of money on his wallet and so I should initiate an attack against Godwin and see how successful I would be. So those, the, the, the typology as in the fraud schemes keep happening. But should it happen and affect a customer, then we go through the investigation processes with our stakeholders like Yoko, um, 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 the Ghana police, and do the next arrest. The, the point is that maybe... The victim is seeking that just when he, he reported a day or two, you're able to arrest the person and then bring the money back to him or prosecute the person. Where the person says he lived, as data that you have, might not be where the person initiated the attack. Mm. You know, so I could be living in Accra, I give you the data, I live in Accra, but in terms of our fraud network, I'm operating somewhere from the central region or from the northern region or from, you know, the voter region. Mm. And so for that matter, then it takes time for you to do the investigation and then necessarily uh, cause an arrest. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids! <laughs> yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? 
Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. And then uh, up to prosecution. Mm. But isn't that easily detectable that you can detect where I made the call from or where I initiated that, that, that scheme from? Yes. So those are the signals that we pick. That is from even picking that one at a point in time that won't necessarily give you where he is. Okay. You may have to do some trend analysis to see before the attack, after the attack, where are calls, where the person sleeps, a proposed sleeping place, mm. where he gets up in the morning. So there are things that you may have to connect as dots to be able to say, okay, most probably this is where these people are. Mm. And then you can you know, launch your, 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 your uh, arrest process mm. on that side. So it involves a lot of study and investigations, and sometimes it takes time. That is the truth. How many people have you arrested so far? So far as in time. Uh, yes. Uh, a lot, I can't put... Num- num- well, let, let's, just, let's, just, let's limit ourselves to when we did the SIM card re-registration because we knew that that was going to help us fight it. So how many people have you arrested so far? For just Accra that I know of, about 10 people, and this involved groups. Mm-hmm. As in groups, um, we've worked with Yoko to make a swap of about 400 people. Okay. Just arrest of one leads us to the arrest of about 400 people. Okay. Right and beyond. So numbers, I cannot put specific numbers on edges like that, but there's a whole lot of work that is being done by mm. this law enforcement agency in helping us arrest. So, so to, just to get it uh, clear, you're saying that you've arrested about 10 groups, which is made up of a lot of people. Ex- exactly. 10 group, 10 made, up, made up of a lot of people. Yes. So one group could have about how many people? 400. I mean, the, the, the last one that Yoko worked, worked on, about 400 people. One group? Yes. And they were in a room, right? A, a whole room, like a church place, where they set up, and that is where they sleep and work day in, day out. You have laptops and all those kind of things. There's some information we can't give on. Mm. You know, so, mm. yes. I mean, behind the scenes, people are working. Wow. Yes, people wow. are working. So people set up offices oh, yes. like that. You have 400 people in there, and they're scamming people. Right, right. And that is where they sleep. And oh. it's in batches. Okay. You know, it's in batches. And you have cells in certain places. Um, I can't mention <laughs> the mm. You have cells in certain places, and... You pick one person, and from your investigation or interaction with them, interrogation with them, you get to know it's from a particular cell, mm. and you will know mm. this cell operates mm. from the Volta region, this part of Volta region, Central region, this part of Central region, mm. and you're able to, you know, yeah. move in to, for, wow. for arrest, yes. So out of these people, how many have we successfully prosecuted and jailed? I, I don't have the number of You them. don't? Okay. All right, then. Now, some of you also sent in some questions to us who would... Uh, Bring that up so that we can we can get answers for now. This one uh, from Patrick in English, a manfro. He says, every time I report that I have wrongfully sent money to someone, they tell me they are working on it. Please, why is it hard for you people to return my own money to me? Why? Wrongly sending money to someone has different implications, okay. which we need to understand whether really that transaction was wrongfully made before we do a reversal. You will have instances, and, and permit me to, to, to give an example, of somebody who will go to church, mm. right, and make a sacrifice or offering, whatever they call it, 
uh, and then just after church, we'll call back and say, I made a wrong transfer mm. to a church's account, some mm. way, somehow. Mm. And then we need to go to the church and give, do you know this person? Is he a member? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, this man is a member. Mm. He promised this amount of money during their harvest. And he made the payment today. And this is the receipt. So if you just, based on the complainant words, and you proceed to do a reversal, then you know there is a problem. You have somebody who had gone to a carpenter, mm. went to somebody's place, and did whatever they were supposed to do. He says, I'm finished. The person pays 2,000 Ghana cities. Now he come back home and he realized that what he requested isn't what the carpenter had made, to the best of his knowledge. And then he calls and he's asking for a reversal. You know, you need to now understand what actually happened. And then later you get to know, look, he just want to take his money back because maybe the carpenter didn't do something well, which he could have just gotten in touch with the, uh, the carpenter and asked him to mm-hmm. come. So it involves engaging the other party involved to understand really what happened uh, before. So normally it takes between 5 to 15 days for us to do such reversal, unless there is um, a dispute. I send it, it is mine, it is not mine, and then that goes some days further for us to do uh, investigation to understand where we can place this before we do a reversal. So, uh, my brother, it's unfortunate that it's a bit Mm -hmm. worrying, but Mm -hmm. we need to do the right thing so that we put things in place to ensure that both the recipient and the sender um, are happy about our services. Okay. All right. I remember once someone, it happened to me, we were doing a fundraising, someone sent money. I saw a message from, from uh, MTN saying that the person says you have to, you know, take it back. It was wrong. Right. They called me and I called the person and said, oh, no, 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 you're not the one I was referring to. Uh-huh. It was a wrong indication. Well, right. that's fine. Another person sent us a message, so we'll get that up. Uh, Atukwe in Keshi says, immediately I received money from a friend a foster called me. I didn't know at the time. He said the money was sent to me wrongfully. I didn't understand then. He asked at, at, at least I checked my account. I checked. A few minutes later, all my money was withdrawn. How did they know I had received money? <laughs> I was going to ask that. I think there is an insider in the telcos. Again, how did they get my PIN? Because I didn't mention it to them. This is, this is interesting. Very interesting, yeah. but very simple to understand. Okay. Mm-hmm. One, you see, we have millions of transactions going on on our platform on a daily basis. It is just not possible for an individual just to be looking at with your eye manually the millions of transactions. And these are per second or mm-hmm. per millisecond because it's real-time transaction to say somebody is sitting behind watching it and see that there's a transaction to... A, B, or C, and so calls. What happens is that before they initiate a call to you, they have worked on you and are working on you. I've seen somebody would have just run the numbers using macro Excel. Any university degree or SSS can do it, which they do. So they run the numbers, and then another group will pick these numbers and then start checking. You see, if you, want to, if you want to send money to someone from our platform, when you are asked to enter the PIN, the name of the person comes. And then they pick that name, they put it down. And another group works on 
the balance. Now, how do they get the balance or closely to the balance? So they initiate, they might have a gentle wallet and initiate as if they want to do a cash out mm. or a payment, a POS payment. Mm-hmm. They'll do 1,000. 999 Ghana cities, mm-hmm. 998 Ghana cities. So that is somebody's work. So when they trigger and there's no response to them, then they know you have something around the value they wanted to keep. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like me doing a cash out. Mm-hmm. If I have thousand and you initiate a cash out of two thousand, the transaction fails. Yeah. So I'll see that no, this guy doesn't have the amount I'm initiating. Okay. So I do thousand, it fails. I do nine hundred and ninety nine, it fails. I do nine hundred and ninety eight, it fails. Like that, so maybe you get to nine hundred and it goes through and it doesn't receive anything. Then the idea is this guy might be having at least up to nine hundred Ghana cities. Okay. In his wallet. Mm-hmm. Then. The attack is initiated. Oh, so, so they have a system to see my balance. Not to see, but to guess. To guess it. Exactly. Okay. And this is a POS or agent account. As you go to do your cash out, okay. the agent initiates a transaction. Yes. And then you have a pop-up message. Yeah. Now, if the money in your wallet is less than what the agent was initiating for, for that transaction would have yeah. and then yeah. they will know that mm, it doesn't have that mm-hmm. much so they are using agent numbers to do that to agent do. and POS's and now this one is basically the POS one where before they call you they would have initiated a kind of a payment call to you and so when you pick your call, you are speaking with them. And then they ask you, you check your account. In checking your mm-hmm. account, mm-hmm. you will be initiating or inputting your PIN. Okay. But then the pop-up message would have come on your PIN whilst you were answering the call. Mm-hmm. So by that, just going back and then dialing and initiating, entering your PIN, the, their pop-up message might be the one you are entering the pin in. Mm-hmm. And they end up okay. moving the money because their pop-up was to make a withdrawal or a payment, and then you entered. But and you might be thinking is, that mm-hmm. I was initiating the transaction to check just my balance. Mm-hmm. But there is a pop-up message that had come on top of what you were initiating mm. and then and most of the times we don't read you know what the pop-up message is saying mm. we don't read as whether it was the check balance you were checking or something, or else. something else have come up and then you enter your pin and the money is gone so basic he cannot ask you to check your pin in whatever it is there is no law that forces you to respond to what they want you to do. So you take your time. Mm-hmm. I will check. And if I confirm that you've truly sent me money, I will get MTN to do it for you. Then you take your time and call MTN to confirm what they have said, that somebody has sent you money, whether it is true or not. Mm-hmm. Can they confirm the amount of money that they sent? Because guess what? They can send one point zero zero and if you don't take them they will tell you that they send you hundred Ghana cities. Mm. Mm. They will actually send you mm. one Ghana cities mm. and you receive the the SMS which is from us. 
a true transaction, one Ghana cities. Then they call you said, saying, they send you 100 Ghana cities. 100 is in your mind. When you check the notification, you might be saying, oh, it is 100 Ghana cities, and you might initiate a 100 Ghana cities transaction back mm. to so take your time and let MTN or any service provider whose platform was used to, to call you, to do the checks for you, confirm it before you take any, any decision. Don't in any way hurry to say you are responding because the person called. And they'll be you know, disturbing you with calls all the time. But, 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 but this guy's question says, yeah. my friend sent me one. Immediately they, I had a call from them. Yes. They were, so how were they able to tell immediately yes. when someone sent me money that, yeah. That is why I said, I said initially that before they call you, mm. they are working on you or they've worked on you. So you're saying so it, somebody it a mere coincidence? No, it's not. I wouldn't say it could be. It could be mere coincidence. It could also be that in the process where I issued, I was doing the test to see whether it was 1,000 Ghana cities or 900. I did 1,000. It failed. Now I'm doing 900 and it goes through. Now I do 1,000, it goes through. This guy has something more. Mm. Can we call? So it's, it's a whole setup where division, or if you want to see division of labor, this is what they call division of labor. You have sales group of people mm. who are just working on these things every now and then to the next day, and then another group comes in like that. So People will say, why this, why that, why that? They don't just get up and call you. They would have worked on the number, this number we want to call to the attack today, maybe for two, three days before even calling. Mm. It's very, very interesting. <laughs> anyway, we are, we are still learning. So um, let, let me bring another question. Philip in Cape Coast says, I'm a victim of this moment of fraud, and my major problem is the MTN customer service line 100 which doesn't allow customers to contact service agent to confirm some transactions at the instant. Well, uh, it, it could be that there are people on the line. I mean, hundred we don't charge, and once you call and you have probably patients because there will be other people on the line to call. But apart from the hundred, you could visit the service center. You could send even a text. You could send a text. To, to which number? You know, or what the star one seven zero that we use, mm-hmm. right? You could dial the star one seven zero and go to fraud report and at least send a text and say this is what had happened. I need confirmation. And somebody from our, our side will take a look and then get back to you. How many people know that? These are channels that we always talk about as to how to contact us. One seven one star one seven zero. Star one seven zero. Just the normal um, uh, channel that you use for transaction. Which number if is that? Goes, it's, it's our normal, for example, for MTN. Mm-hmm. That's the normal channel for transactions. I get it. The so one, star, 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 then you go to option six, okay. which is the wallet, and then you have, you know, option six, you have fraud report in one of them. Mm-hmm. Then you select that one, and they will ask you which number called you, whatever it is. You input all those information, and then you send. So mm-hmm. is, that the star, is that the 100, or you visit our service center, or you do the star 170 to report, or you even send a mail if you are somebody who can send it. Mm. Yes. Mm. And your email addresses? You can send it to mmfraudgh, mmfraudteamgh mm. um, at mtn.com. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now we have more questions here. You can send yours to 0244 
Now, Joshua says, please, why should the frosters have a different number? Aren't their numbers registered with any ID? Why can't the telecommunication companies fish them out and block their numbers? All right, so in terms of numbers, I'm not I'm, too I'm, sure I'm, the different I'm, number he's talking about. I'm, I'm sure probably, like, you know, he brought in the ID. Yes. Why, is not, why are you not able to say that maybe this number is Samuel Kujobrace's number? Yes. Yeah. Why can't the telecoms fish them out and block well, them? Are able to pick. I mean, blocking is the, is the easiest of mm. all the, the, the issues around investigation. Mm. Because once you call, the law requires that if, if there's any suspicion on a particular account, we should block it and mm. prevent any transaction from going through. And sometimes, blocking the account at a particular instance also trigger, gives a tip-off. Mm. Right, so sometimes as part of our investigation, we will suspend just to allow partial transaction. Money can come into that particular person's wallet but cannot withdraw. So that you don't give a tip off as in he cannot do any transaction with it and then he realized that, you know, this has been done and so then I have to look for another means. So, yes, we do the blocking. We are able to identify Godwin Kwame Tamaklo, these are the numbers. What's even interesting is that with your ID card, mm. we are able to see all the other SIM cards you've registered and linked to that particular um, number. And all of them we are able to block it. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, you can also send in your question and then we'll read, we'll ask uh, Mr. Godwin for you. Uh, this one says, these fosters have tormented me several times. Almost on a weekly basis. Now, in November 2023, one of them called me, and when he realized that I had recognized his motive, he threatened me. Quote, you think you are wise, eh? I'll, I'll still chop your money. Funny thing is, I didn't have money in that moment. <laughs> Andy from Bolga brought this one in, okay? I, 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 you know, I, some, some, someone says, when you catch them, really, they threaten you. you yeah. know, sometimes they even insult you. Insult you, yeah. you know, but yeah, yeah. after all, I've I've got I've I've caught your your motive so that's that's fine, um, so so you are saying that I mean I'm interested in the numbers you, you saw in there that a cell has about 400 people. What's the the largest number you've seen in a cell? The best of my knowledge, that one. 400. Yes. Wow. That was that instant when they, they were arrested. They were there. Mm-hmm. But you have in in the central region one under cover work that were 2018 2017. They are batches. Mm. So they come for a week, and another batch comes for a week from Accra, Kumase, some other places, Takrade, and then they converge central region. I don't want to mention mm. uh, the name of the area. And they work so Monday to Friday, mm. and they will leave. Another group will come for the weekend. They will also leave. Another group will come on Monday. So you could go do arrest and probably you might end up just arresting that particular batch. batch. But there might be more. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Um, so, so, so are you winning the fight against these fraudsters? That's, <laughs> that's a very... Uh, um, requesting are we winning the fight i think it's not about winning or losing but we are doing as much as possible what we can there's more also to do but we are doing as much as possible 
um, from our, our side as, as uh, um, service providers to ensure that our customers are you know, protected. But then you have other responsibilities on the customer, other responsibility as stakeholders because it's a multifaceted way of fighting just one person fighting it. So the issue of we coming together as service provider within the ecosystem to work together is, um, is also very important for us to be able to get there. So for instance, today we currently don't have any governance around should somebody defraud me on X service provider's platform, can they send a request that the X will block that account? Right. Mm. They defaulted me, for example, on MTN, and it was pushed to maybe Vodafone or AT or G Money, and then you request whether they can also block but it sits in their domain as to whether to decide to block or not. Mm-hmm. So in terms of governance, that will help us work together and not just you know, working in silos mm-hmm. to fight it. It's so much important that we get that one done to be able to you know, bring this issue down. Same way with, 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 with banks. You know, today, the SIM card is not just a medium for calls, not even uh, just your payment transaction. It is also an access to your bank account mm. because others have linked it to your bank yeah. account. Yeah. So it is also a way of bringing the banks you know, into the discussion and see how we all within the ecosystem mm. can contribute towards the fight of mm. fraud in Ghana. Okay, so you're saying that it goes beyond MTN. It goes beyond just one party, not even just mentioning MTN. Mm. It goes beyond just one party. One party cannot just... Stand up and say you might protect yourself like you can protect your platform, but the platform are interconnected, mm. and that is what even makes it quick for money to move. You know, he defaults you on MTN, he pushes it to ZP or pushes it to Vodafone, he casts it out somewhere, puts it here, and today there's even crypto, although it's not legalized or licensed. People default people and quickly. They push it into crypto, get the crypto, and then go and then change it somewhere else, and then they take the money away. So it's interconnected, and we need to fight it as a unit than working on it silos. Mm. What's the role of government in here? Hmm. I mean, basically, um, some time ago, the, 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 the regulator uh, had indicated to build some kind of uh, a data, you know, a database where these clusters and agents and stuff will be in so that we have a centralized point where those things, you know, could be also managed from there. But gradually, I mean, we hope that that will be done um, as soon as possible. And from other stakeholders like the courts, you know, speedy uh, adjudication know, of, the issues. of these issues. So mm. from our side, what we are, we've done in the past and will continue to do is build capacity. For example, our law enforcement agencies like Yoko and uh, the, the Ghana police and also we do for the judicial service. Mm. So they understand our service, 
and they understand the four typologies so that if somebody is before them and then arguing around a particular case, they have a contest within which this happens and will be mm. able to help us mm. put mm. these people behind bars ASAP. Mm. All right. Um, let's just take our last question from, from our viewers. Okay. And then we'll come into this. Mrs. Derry says, I believe MTN should keep an eye on some of their workers because I always wonder why these fraudsters have easy access to our numbers. My husband bought me a merchant SIM and we received a call from these fraudsters the following day. How possible? It, it, it's possible. As I said, you know, how so? Numbers are easily generated. Our numbers, uh -huh. they are easily generated. If I pick your number, mm -hmm. let's take that your number is 024400. Mm -hmm. The next one is 024412. 024412. 024412. 024412. So those numbers are run down and they have it on Excel. And then they try working on it. If it's not activated, put it somewhere. If it is something, if it's, it doesn't have Momo, put it somewhere. Mm. So they'll be running on these things and you need to see it to understand the process I'm talking about so that some of these things wouldn't be um, surprising um, to you. So that once um, a number is activated, um, you know, you buy your SIM card and it's something that they worked on, they will try to initiate an attack um, ASAP to see whether you have money in it or not. But I guess when, when, when someone, this, this one, I mean, the nurses, we are saying that if they got to know that the merchant number was, say, 0053 something something to maybe 200, they are sitting there and then trying to change. So 05 blah, blah, 201, 202. And then they fell to this woman's line. That's right. They don't even know whether it's a merchant subscriber agent. Oh, they are just calling. It's just numbers mm. that they have and then they are calling, mm. you know, to see. And again, um, the way they initiate, you know, the transaction, for example, there are some transactions that are limited, you know, so if it's an agent to agent, you can't do payment, you can't cash out. So they understand some of these things and be able to identify, oh, this is a subscriber line, or this is an agent line, or this is a merchant line. But when they run the macros of their numbers, it's not something they know whether this is a merchant or Interesting. But when I call, you're able to know that I'm calling. Isn't that the case? Why are you not able to know that this froster is calling Kojo, is calling Amai, and that we have to put uh, a spotlight on, on this number? One thing is that we, are on, we, we don't um, listen to calls when the call is ongoing. That's against the law. Right? So when you initiate a call, it's a normal call that is, that is coming through to a customer. Mm. What happens during that conversation don't mm. listen to it. Mm. So it's difficult for you to block a particular call when the mm. conversation is ongoing. But then, should somebody report a case to us, then those are things that we're able to pick how many SMS is this person sending. Those ones, we do have um, some filters that will be able to pick alert that this number is using as, uh, as a channel of attack mm. because he's sending more SMSs than usual. Okay. And then you go to see some of the SMSs and you're like, no, this is an attack and you can block. Mm. So those ones are, but if it's voice, 
we don't listen to what is happening in terms of mm. voice calls. You seem to easily exonerate your staff from wrongdoing. You think that they are not they are not complicit in this? No, mm. no, that that's a wrong perception. Okay, that's a wrong perception. I can tell you um, where our staff are found to be culpable in any of these fraud cases. They are picked up by the police okay. or Yoko. Mm. And some of them have been jailed. Some of them internally, if it's not something is civil or uh, criminal, mm. but it's, it's administratively, it's against the courts, you are fired. Mm. You know, so uh, no one should ever think that MTN specifically, we go soft on our, on our, on our staff. If you fall prey to some of these things, you are gone or you find yourself behind bars. So some of your, some of your staff have been complicit in these operations? Yes, and they've been arrested. Mm. So they are the reason why these fraudsters... No, they are not. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, they are the reason why these fraudsters have been able to, you know, get a formula to then go about random calling of numbers to... to no, not necessarily. Mm. You know, not necessarily. A fraud typology could be developed by somebody. Mm. As if I do A, B, C, D, I can try and see if I can get this person or not. Mm. It doesn't matter whether somebody is from MT and is part of it or not. Mm. You, you, you get what I'm saying. So it is their way. Can we do this way? And then tomorrow they try it, they change it. And so you will see that the fraud typologies, the, the social engineering fraud typologies, had evolved over at first. It used to be um, anti London. That one is gone. Other ones had mm. come. So it's just their ingenuity okay. trying to see how best they can. Not necessarily because mm. there's somebody in MTN. Okay. But do we have. You know, uh, in Chile we say if you be a means and means that kind of thing. Mm. So, but if you are found culpable, mm. our, our, our management, mm. you know, don't take kindly to some of okay. How many, how many of your workers have you picked up? Oh, how I, many I, have I been sacked? I can't give you, but a lot have been sacked, but I can't give you close to 200. Not because of fraud, anyway. Not no, no, we're talking about those, we're those talking that are fraud. We're about fraud. No, I can't give you numbers. I can't mm. give you, unless maybe my HR is able to tell you how many have been fired, but I can't give you numbers. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. But I can tell you an authority, mm. if somebody does something mm. wrong, um, he's punished. It's a good intermacle. I'm grateful that you came through. Thank you. And Thank we you hope that you, are able, you, you keep on doing what you're doing to protect us, yes. your customers. Yeah, we also need your support in listening to the small, small advice we give, mm. the education we are giving. Don't do this, don't do that. Just abide by them and you'll be safe. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Now, there's growing pressure on government to suspend the collection of levies into the COVID-19 recovery levy into a special fund that will help the country prepare for health emergencies. Now, we'll bring you details of the story and more after this break. Do stay.
tank is big. Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S I N T E S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. But it falls down into spoilers. That's not true. But why? Why? <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? changing hospitals and your new doctor not having to ask you about your medical history or receiving prescription from your doctor only to get to the pharmacy to know that the pharmacist is already aware and has prepared your medications in advance or visit the lab to realize your lab scientist or technician has already received the doctor's request and are prepared for your test that and more is what UK-based tech giant MedTech Solutions is working to introduce to Ghana's healthcare landscape. But don't take my word for it. Let's get them and their partners in Ghana to help us understand how this will change healthcare delivery in Ghana. And I'm already excited by this. Now, in studio with me to share this excitement with you is Dr. Jean Araba Yangson in and I have a story to tell about this lady's mother, but I'll, t- I'll talk about it later. Occupational health physician, and she's executive director for Scope Plus Group. They are based in Tema. Uh, also in the studio is Isabel Uguchuku. Okay, so she pronounced it well, so I had to take my time to get it right. She's CEO of MedTech Solutions. Ladies, hi, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I hope all is well. Now, this is such a groundbreaking thing for me to hear that I no longer have to go and sit in front of my doctor in Agran Quanta, for example, where I'm from, and tell him, oh, doc, I am here, I am here. The doctor already is aware. I mean, how is this going to work? Just share a bit of it with us. All right. Thanks for having us. Mm. So essentially, mm. um, I, I work with Scope Plus Group, mm. which is um, an info solutions-based occupational health company. So what we do is we manage employee health 
and we are an indigenous company. Now, we use technology to manage employee health, and we have found that it has become so valuable in providing efficient services. And so we, have col we are collaborating with our partners, MedTech Solutions in the UK, to make sure that technology is spread across the healthcare landscape in Ghana. So the whole point of what we are trying to do is to make sure that healthcare becomes more efficient, becomes digitalized, and is able to conform with global standards. We are trying to ensure that the Ghanaian patient is at the receiving end of the best quality care in a safe, secure, digitalized manner. So at this point, uh, Isabel is going to tell us about how exactly we are going to break this down mm. and make sure that the Ghanaian patient becomes mm. the biggest beneficiary mm. of this innovative mm. healthcare solution. Okay, wonderful. There is where the ball is in your court. So sure. let's understand how it's going to be. So what we are creating mm -hmm. is, in fact, a house with several windows. Right Inside the house is a digital ecosystem. The patient has an app, the health professional has an app, the health establishment has an app. The government can see anonymized, aggregated, national-level data that enables them to more effectively um, go about with the health initiatives. And this means that the patients can take control of their health in partnership with their health professional in a way like never before. Well, so, I mean... Have, have we, do we even have the idea of probably when this is, I mean, to do a test round, because I'm sure you're going to start from somewhere yes. before you can do a large-scale rollout? Yes, so this is what brings us to Ghana, and uh, tonight we're hosting um, a networking uh, dinner with stakeholders in the industry, mm. and we've got government, IGO, NGO, hospital owners, managers, health professionals, and then tomorrow we're having an all-day workshop to really dive in and do breakout sessions with them and really understand in order to really tailor the product mm. so that the market fit is really great. And so we're looking to then start the rollout in the latter part of this year and onboard several health um, facilities one at a time. Mm. And then their patients will get an app that they can follow their own medical records and then the health professionals working with them will have an app that they can do their work with, whether they're based in a hospital or even remote, mm. and then afterwards it will upload onto the system. Oh, so there's going to be an app? Yes. Which means that not everybody can, 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 can be part then, because what about a grandmother in the village? Who uh, I've got an answer for that. So okay. Because generally in more rural places there will be one person who has a smartphone per family, within the application you will be able to create profiles for yourself, your partner, your elderly parents, dependents, your children. And that means that the profiles of all your family can be on the one space. And then the custodian of the phone will then be the, the person who will then accompany that family member mm. um, to the, the health professional, to the establishment. Okay. So, so there won't be a way, for example, that if I don't have an, um, you know, a phone that can help me get access to an app, mm -hmm. there's no USSD code or something that can also work. So there, there, there is, and that will be tied into the payment section. So even if you don't have a phone today, mm -hmm. you can access it on a web portal through someone can help you. You can get printouts. Mm -hmm. You can have things sent to an email. So there's lots of different ways to be able to enable every member of a family to really grasp the benefits that come with this application. Mm -hmm. This is interesting. But obviously, it has, it has to do with tech. You're using internet and all of that. So someone has to pay. Who's paying? The client or the patient or who? 
So the health establishments uh, will be uh, obviously subscribing and then we will be um, providing at the national and international level anonymized um, aggregated data. So for example, the government will have a dashboard which will offer and they'll be able to see gender, age range, region, that's it. So we'll be able to know how many births, how many deaths, they'll be able to see, oh, you know, there's so, so many people with an illness in this region that's higher and using data analytics will be able to compare what's beyond the norm and really give you real-time view of what's happening in the, across the healthcare landscape and obviously for IGOs and NGOs that information is important too because then it enables them to tailor their healthcare initiatives and distribute their resources in a more equitable way based on where the real need is whereas right now a lot, a lot of the data going up is very manual it's very hit and miss and there's no technological infrastructure that allows what they actually need today. So that's why we're coming with that. Mm. So, so it means that this will serve more than one purpose. Yes. It's going to help us really determine the numbers of people who are suffering from certain kind of yes. illnesses. Exactly. Vaccination okay. uptakes, mm. births, um, male births, female births, and so on and so forth. Okay. So whereas maybe before resources for healthcare would have been distributed, distributed made, made, um, based on population ratio, mm. now you'll be able to see actually the need mm. is greatest in this place, mm. whereas we wouldn't have seen that before. Okay. I don't know why I'm excited already, but, but you tell me and other who, those who are watching, why is this so crucial and important to healthcare delivery in this country? The, the reason why we are super excited about this mm. innovation is because one, it's going to bridge the data gap that we have. The truth is you can't take decisions if you don't have data. If you don't know the state of health of your population, then it's difficult to actually take decisions that are going to revolutionize how your population's health status is. And so the data analytics part of this seriously excites us. We also want to be able to predict. So it's not good enough to know that 50% of the people who walk into your OPD are hypertensive. Mm. You need to be able to predict that in the next two years, Mm -hmm. what kind of numbers am I expecting? And so it's so important to us because we see that this gives Ghana an opportunity to be at the forefront of health tech. This isn't being done anywhere else in the world. We are are going beyond Ghana with this, and Ghana is sort of our first stop for us to really get interactions with the stakeholders here. Mm. This is for us... Even though our partners are from the UK, we see it as a homegrown solution. That's why we are here to interact directly with the stakeholders. Let them tell us what is their ideal healthcare system. What do they want to see? So that when this thing rolls out, we are all on board. Mm, it's, it's exciting to hear. I mean, I mean, the country being able to foretell how the health status of the people will be in the next two years, three years, it informs even policy. So I guess then it's, it's something that we're going to tap on. You want to add something? Yeah, but, and also, mm. I mean, there's benefits for the economy, right? Mm. When people have better and more equitable access to healthcare and healthcare management, mm. when they feel like they're also in the driving seat and partnering with their local hospital and their local health practitioners, they become more invested in their own health. And that then leads in terms of the healthcare improving. Mm. A healthier workforce is a more productive workforce, is more money for the economy, and that will create, bring, generate investment into the into the, the you know the country and so that for you know there's definitely much downstream mm. and positive impact that this could have on the country mm. i mean you're saying that this is, ghana is the first country to have this why this decision why why is ghana the first country not anywhere else but here 
Right. So tell you what, we've been working on this for quite a while. Mm. And there has been um, a lot of engagement in the background. Mm. And we realized from our preliminary engagement that this environment is ready for this. We have some systems in place, but they don't solve all our tech problems in healthcare. Mm. And the feedback we are getting from the various stakeholders, the private facilities association, the state agencies, the NGOs, look, it is people are ready for this. People are interested in this. They are so excited about our program, which is happening tonight and tomorrow morning. That's when we are having the brainstorming session. People have signed up and are ready to come and share their ideas on what they want to see. Ghana is a fertile land for technology. We are already doing a bit all over the country. I know we are using tech with you know, the zipline deliveries and things like that. And so this country already is on a roadmap to success when it comes to medical technology. It's the right place to start. And we know that at the end of our two-day program, we are, we are ready to zoom and launch ahead mm. and to innovate and bring this product on board by the end of the year. Mm. Interesting. Um, exciting news for all of us here that soon uh, you'll be able to, even if you're a policymaker, for example, you'll be able to tell that in the next three years, my country is going to have more obese uh, patients and therefore this is the sort of thing that a country needs to do. And, and, and it'll, help, it'll help really policymakers, for example. And you, because when you go to your doctor, before you even say, your doctor is aware of what's wrong with you. That, that's it, right? That's it. Where, does it where, does, where will it begin? For example, take, take, use me as an example. Maybe I go to I, I, my hospital, let's say, Kolebo. Mm-hmm. How do you start to ensure that my, the doctor in my hometown, Agonankwanta, or Buzia, or Disco, is aware that, well, this is what is wrong with Kojobri. So before I get to him, he knows. So if you already have an existing condition, mm-hmm. you would have had a referral. Mm-hmm. And so the referral would have come from another health practitioner, another doctor, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and that will link you to that other doctor. Mm-hmm. And so, but if you're coming green, you can choose which hospital you can search. You can choose by a function of what they offer. Then on, you, on the app. Yes. And the licensed, actively licensed health practitioner will be registered when we onboard the health facility. Mm. So the health facility will say we've got ex-doctors, midwives, nurses, etc. And so you will see, you can have remote consultations if you can't make it. For example, your elderly parents who live in a more rural place, you can take your phone. They'll have remote consultations if they can't make it. If you can, you go. And it matches using near-field technology. So then your doctor creates the record. Mm. It's, it's confidential between you and your doctor, yeah. no one else sees that. Mm-hmm. And what, what goes up to the health establishment is not your records. It's the information that they need to run the hospital. So the only person that has view access is you. Your doctor has edit access. Mm-hmm. And even if they then edit it afterwards, you will get a notification to tell you what they've edited. Mm-hmm. So it's a level of accountability transparency mm-hmm. and that we've never had before, mm-hmm. and it's super exciting. Mm-hmm. But then it brings up one thing. This is confidential. Yes. That is also technology. You know how people can manipulate technology and get access to information. Yes. What's the assurance that my information is protected? So the assurance is that we're going to be using blockchain technology to anonymize in a gated way that is irreversible Mm. the anonymization of your confidential information. Mm. So once it's gone past you and your doctor, no one will know who you are. Your name will be scrubbed out. So the health facility will know we've got ex-patients, 
X amount of illnesses, X amount of incidences of this, that they will not be able to trace back to who you are, even the hospital. Mm. And then when it goes up further, it's then further anonymized. So then that your age will become part of an age range mm. that, that you can't go back. Mm. So when there's a leak, it'll be you or your, your doctor. Mm. Mm. Um, and even if, okay. for example, mm. you have a cardiac situation and you, you see this doctor, and then tomorrow you have an orthopedic situation, because the two incidences are not linked, neither those doctors will see each other's records. Mm. They will only see each other's records if, for example, in a woman's case, she's pregnant and she has a cardiac um, preeclampsia and then maybe, you know, something else, and then the, the two are related to the pregnancy, that will then give all the healthcare professionals looking after her in that context access to those. Mm-hmm. But only the one who created it has edit access. All the others is view. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've really thought this out. We spent a lot of time with the stakeholders drilling through everything. And I think what's really important to mention is that one of the co-founders of the organization is a consultant, right, in the U.K., seasoned medical expert mm-hmm. um, and you know he, he's dealt with compliance data compliance personal medical information compliance regulations and things like that and the reason why we chose to seat the organization in the UK is to make sure that we sound the message that you know I, ISO 27001 GDPR we are really taking the regulation seriously because that's our business our business is to create a patient centric platform if you don't trust it mm-hmm. there's no point so your trust as a patient is paramount mm. to us. Mm. And the buy-in of the health practitioners as you know, u- users and of the health establishments as customers mm. is paramount. And, and you know, for us to have the encouragement and support of governments and IGOs and NGOs, as yes, you're enabling us to do our business better, to change the lives, to impact, to raise and influence whole countries and economies, that's really important for us and really every stakeholder in the, in the ecosystem. So mm. for us... Doctors are not more important than patients. You know, we're speaking to everyone with the same level of we are interested in you. We mm. want you to engage with us for, so that we can build you a solution that's really fit for purpose. Mm. All right. Sounds, sounds good. Um, if the, the doctor at the other end does not know that it's me, Kojo Brace, mm-hmm. how will he know that I'm the one whose information is in front of him? Because when you arrive, so you book an appointment, if you walk in, you can use near-field technology. So you, the same way you use Bluetooth mm-hmm. to find out what's near, you, he has, his or she has their app, you have your app, and they'll be like, oh, I'm near, I'm seeing doctor this, I, I agree, consent, open my records to him. Oh, okay, get in then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, look, your final words, just before we wrap up this conversation. Right, um, just to say that... Mm. Um, Ghana is ripe for technology in medicine. We are excited about what's going on, and we are calling on all the stakeholders who are partnering with us, coming in tonight and tomorrow, to come in, share their ideas. Let's all get on board. Let's get this working. And at the end of the day, the biggest beneficiaries are the Ghanaian people. The patient is at the center of it all, and the future is now. So let's get on board. All right. Isabel. Yes, very, very excited. Really, really looking forward to tonight and tomorrow. Really looking forward to this having actual real impact. Mm. And I think the look you have in your eyes mm. that I see whenever we tell someone about this mm. and it, their eyes light up mm. when they understand the power that this has to transform an entire country, mm. communities, regions, cities. I'm so really, really excited. This mm. is my first of many trips to Ghana, mm. and uh, I hope okay. to become a, uh, 
Ghanaian. Ghanaian by proxy very soon. <laughs> I might need a Ghanaian name. Yeah, we'll give you one. I mean, uh, you, you're Isabel Uguchi. Yeah, I was born on a Monday. The oh, Ajua, good. You got a good day. Great. Because I was born on a Monday as well. So we'll, we'll take already. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, Dr. Jean uh, Nyangsen. Uh, she is an occupational health uh, physician and executive director of Scope Plus Group and Isabel Ugochuku. Ajua uh, uh, Ugochuku is with MedTech Solutions. All right, uh, ladies, thank you so much for passing through. Thank you very There's much. There's Estelle Pauls. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back. Stay with us.